Hello, welcome to Leading with Grace, the podcast for women going through separation and divorce. My name is Hio, and I'm your host. I'm a certified life and spiritual mastery coach. And here, I get to show you how your divorce doesn't have to be devastating, but that actually, it could be the means of greater discipleship with your Savior, Jesus Christ, as you connect with Him in a higher and holier way. Let me show you how. Hello and welcome back to Holy Week. All right, how are you all doing as you're going through the different um, events of the Savior's life? And as you're asking the question, how is Jesus preparing me for the, for the coming of the crucifixion and his death and resurrection? As you're asking that question, what is coming up for you? What are some insights that you are receiving that maybe you have not seen before? All right, in, in day three, and I'm getting my information from um, Dr. Huntsman, as well as the Come Follow Me in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints manual, where we are studying the New Testament. And in Come Follow Me, it talks about and highlights him continue to teach in chapters in, in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And also, um, Dr. Huntsman outlines and highlights on Wednesday, the plot to kill Jesus, which is found in Mark chapter 14 and Matthew chapter 26, along with Judas agreeing to betray Jesus in these same books and chapters. And also what I love that Dr. Huntsman highlights is on day three is the unnamed woman that anoints Jesus Christ. And this is found in Mark chapter 14, verses three through nine, as well as Matthew chapter 26, verses six through 13. I think I've heard that um, some say that it was Mary and, and maybe it was. And, and I'm sure that if, if the, um, if those that are really into um, the Bible and our scholars of the Bible, and they say that it's married, that I'm sure that they have some proof and backing about that. But um, based on the scripture and the scripture books of Mark and Matthew, where it is unnamed, I'm going to choose to, to, to keep this woman unnamed. And maybe, maybe there is, maybe there is a lesson to be learned about this. And so I first want to go back to what Jesus is teaching his disciples in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And here he's foretelling the doom of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. And his disciples are like, when is this going to happen? You know, and, 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 and what, you know, how will we know that you're going to come back? And as I was reading these verses, I was really intrigued that, um, that the information that he's giving to the disciples, I feel like, can be in two different categories. Number one, the the events that are outside of their control, a lot of the destruction, a lot of the sorrows, a lot of the um, the evil that is going on and the deception that is happening, okay? So as disciples of Jesus Christ, we don't have any control over any of that. And yet he also really describes what is within our control and what he expects of his disciples. And I really wanted to highlight what is within our control versus what is outside of our control, right? And that there is definitely wisdom in, in Jesus telling us these signs and symbols of, of him, his coming, and that there's a purpose to that. But I think there's also a purpose to him telling us what is within our control? What it is that he is expecting us? What it is that he wants us to do so that we can be prepared 
for his coming. And it starts in verse four, where he says, take heed that no man deceive you. Okay. That's one of the first things that he tells his disciples. Verse six, be not troubled. And I thought this was so interesting that before he goes into like the messy, the dark, the nitty gritty, the scary, he prefaces that with be not troubled. I cannot tell you how many, how many times I've spoken to, to those that are believers of Christ and how they are so troubled by what is going on. And that was me as well. And at times I do find myself very troubled with what is going on politically and socially and how that could possibly and and potentially impact my children and the choices that they are making. I do get troubled at times too. But in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of what is going on, Christ is so firm and clear in what he's telling us to be not troubled. And isn't this really similar to what he tells the disciples during that storm and he's walking on the water? He's saying, it is I, be not troubled, be of good cheer. He's not worried. And now we're thinking, oh, of course he's not worried. He's Jesus. He doesn't have to worry. But I don't think he would give us a commandment that we could not keep. And I think this is one of those commandments to be not troubled, to be of good cheer, to keep our eyes focused on who Christ is, to always approach him and walk towards him with our beliefs and with our unbeliefs, the things that we are uncertain about. And so I love that he, he's already He's already just letting his disciples know that they don't have to worry. And then in verse 13, he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So, all right, here he is. He's telling us to not be troubled. And now he's telling us to endure to the end. He's telling us not to be deceived. And then verse 42, watch therefore, for ye know not what our, your Lord doth come. And the word watch, there is a footnote in there. And I clicked onto it just to see what it had to say. And of course it says millennium preparing a people for the millennium. All right. And then also watch and watchfulness. And when I clicked onto the word watchfulness, it sent me to a link in the Bible dictionary. And it talks about the different watches, right? And so the Jews and the Babylonians, they had three watches, okay? The first watch was from sunset to 10 p.m. The second watch or the middle watch was at 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And then the morning watch was 2 a.m. to sunrise. Now, the Romans had four watches, which is what um, Matthew follows, okay? And this is found in Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, and Mark chapter 13. But it's interesting that even though there are many different watches, what does Jesus Christ tell us? Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Many times we do see the Lord coming on the fourth watch. Sometimes we do see him come at the very beginning of a watch. And he's telling us, you don't know when I'm going to come. 
I can come at the sunrise. I can come at the sunset. I can come at the middle of the night. Like, I don't know when I'm going to come, but you need to be prepared. And then in verse 45, who then is a faithful and wise servant? Blessed is that servant from who, for whom his Lord, when he hath come, shall find so doing. And so now he's telling us to be faithful. He's telling us to be wise servants and that we will be blessed by doing what? Like, what is it that he expects us to be doing? And I think he just says it so clearly that he wants us to not be deceived. He wants us to not be troubled. He wants us to endure. He wants us to watch and to be watchful every hour of the day and night. That that is what he expects us to do, is to do these things. And for me, it can be so easy to, to be lost in the troubles of the world and to stop doing what I'm doing because when I am so wrapped up in the troubles of the world, I feel so discouraged, depressed, hopeless. And when I'm feeling hopeless, I'm not as willing to get up and to get out and to be doing the work of Christ, to be sharing my good cheer, to be letting people know it's okay. You don't need to be troubled. We're, we are a team. We are a tribe. We're in it together to help each other endure. Because sometimes I need help getting up. Sometimes I need someone to be there, to listen to me, for me to rant and rave. And I'm so grateful for the friends that I do have. And I'm grateful that I can just say what I need to say without being judged and that my friends love me enough to counsel me, to remind me of who I am, why I'm doing what I am doing and to move forward. And we, we do this with each other. We endure with each other. We are of good cheer with each other. We are not troubled with each other. We are doing the work with each other. And I'm so grateful that I have, I have a tribe within my inner circle where I can do these things with them. Now, one of the last things that I do want to talk about now is about the unnamed woman who anoints Jesus Christ. And as I was reading this, and I am very much aware of this story about how Jesus Christ in his final days is dining with his disciples and a woman comes. And I just want to read parts of this just because it's so beautiful. And here it is in Mark chapter 14, verse three, and being in Bethany in the house of Simon, the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, a spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. 
Okay. And so there are some things in here that I just didn't know what, what it was, right? First, first of all, an alabaster box um, in other areas, um, they say it's a jar and that she broke it so that she can access the contents of it. An alabaster, it looks very similar to a marble, but it's much softer, right? And it is found in Egypt. And this is what I found. Um, maybe there's other areas that you can find it, but it was not local. It was something that probably took time and money for her to find and to access. And that this ointment was a very expensive perfume. Again, it was something that she had to go out of her way. She had to plan and prepare well in advance to find, to access, to purchase, to pay for. And so as I see this woman, I see that there is something in her that is causing her to, to plan and prepare in advance to do this for Jesus. Now, does she know that Jesus is going to be crucified, that he is going to die on a cross and to be resurrected on the third day? I don't know that, but maybe she sensed a finality in his mission. Maybe she sensed his own sorrow when Jesus Christ would talk about the end of his life. Maybe she sensed something or maybe he told her. Maybe there was a connection between them. I don't know and I don't profess to know. Maybe a Bible scholar would know these, these answers, but I am not a Bible scholar. But I do know that this woman did a great sacrifice for Jesus Christ by anointing him, and especially anointing his head. Isn't that just an interesting imagery of a woman anointing the Son of God, the Savior of the world, for the final act of his mission and Christ received this gift this anointing from her own hand and yet the disciples I don't think they fully understood the finality of Jesus Christ's mission of how it was winding down for him to be lifted up because then they say, why was this waste of ointment made? They also knew how expensive this ointment was. They had to have smelled it. They saw the jar, the alabaster jar. And I love what Jesus Christ says to them in verse 8, that she hath done what she could, that she is come beforehand to anoint my body to the burying. It was as if she was foreordained to do this very act, that she was chosen and called to do this sacred act of anointing Christ's body in preparation for what was to come. And I love how simply put Jesus Christ puts her act that she hath done what she could. 
how often do we as women go throughout day and serving and serving and serving and asking ourselves if it is worth anything, if it counts for anything, if anyone cares, if Jesus Christ is even aware of what we go through as mothers, raising young children, trying to continue to be a mother to teenagers or to adult children, to be in a marriage that, that seems so hopeless and helpless. And we wonder, is this worth anything? And I would love, I love to think of Jesus Christ and our heavenly parents saying about us that she has done what she could, that she has come aforehand to do these things on this earth and to consecrate our own service to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, for me, I'm really grateful that we don't know her name because I could see myself doing the same thing to my Savior, Jesus Christ, that I give him my best gift, that I make the sacrifices for his sake, and when it seems so foolish to other people, I know that for Jesus Christ, it was meaningful. And I'm so grateful that he is my savior, Jesus Christ, that he sees me, that he knows me, that he knows what I'm trying to accomplish in this life, which is to be like him. And so for this reason, I do what I do. I say what I say. I try whatever I'm trying because it is my best gift to him. And that I can actually not only receive the praise of my Savior, Jesus Christ, but that I can actually own the good gifts that I'm giving in preparation to receive the greatest gift that he wants to give me. And so I'm so grateful that I'm doing this and that I've been led spiritually to really study Holy Week because I feel that for the first time, I'm truly preparing myself for the crucifixion, for his death and his resurrection, and for whatever it is that he wants me to learn and understand that I don't yet understand. And I hope that you are also celebrating, preparing yourself for Easter Sunday. With, If it's not with your family, then I hope it's with, with your friends or any loved ones that you have. All right. Thank you again, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you so much for coming. If you want to learn more about how to confidently navigate your separation and divorce, subscribe to this podcast and get on my email list at theonorthcoaching.com. 
That's H-Y-O-N-O-R-T-H-Coaching.com. All links will be found in the show notes. Until next time, take care.